The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Therapeutic Approach to Growth with your host, Brooke Wagner. Each week, this program will focus on interests and expertise pertaining to special needs individuals and their families. We'll help you open up and connect while sharing powerful information. Now, here is Brooke Wagner. Welcome, everyone, to Therapeutic Approach to Growth. I am host, Brooke Wagner. Our goal of the show is to offer support, resources, and most importantly, hope to the special needs community. And today I have with me Dr. Kevin Murphy, Director of Pediatric Radiation Oncology Service at Radies Children's Hospital, Professor and Vice Chair of UCSD Radiation Medicine and Applied Sciences, and Founder of the Medical Synchrony Center. And we will be discussing the cutting-edge treatment TMS and covering topics such as how it works, who may benefit from it, and what the treatment entails. So welcome, Dr. Murphy. Thanks for having me, Brooke. I'm really excited to have you share. I know I've really enjoyed learning more about this treatment and um, seeing the benefits of it with uh, various clients here at TAG, and I just can't wait to share um, this amazing treatment with our listeners today. And uh, before we get into the treatment, I'd love to have you have the opportunity to share a little bit more about your background. I know it's pretty extensive, so it'd be good to hear about that um, before we go into TMS. Sure. So um, thanks for the nice intro. I do spend some time, uh, I would say my day job, uh, seeing patients in the uh, cancer clinics and running the pediatric program for brain tumors in both adults um, and children. And I use a form of radiotherapy called radiosurgery, um, which is allowing us to give high doses of targeted uh, dose to patients to treat brain tumors. And um, I really have a specialty, I would say, in, in some of the brain um, maladies that occur uh, prior to uh, a, a diagnosis and then following our, our treatments. This led me toward looking at other ways to possibly uh, treat uh, children uh, and adults that had neurocognitive disorders, and that led me to the therapy that you'll hear about today. Okay, wonderful. Now, um, I love that you have such a significant and strong background in the brain, because um, I think it's it's so relevant to this treatment that you're doing, and um, I can't wait to, to hear more about that. So, um, But it would be great to hear about the types of diagnoses and illnesses that your clients are coming to see you for. Well, I have um, a full-time practice in oncology where uh, patients that receive radiotherapy to the brain may have a thing we call uh, chemo brain or, or radiation brain where they lose some of their um, uh, clarity of thought and have a fog following their, their treatments. Uh, in a sense, we can do a lot to cure patients nowadays of their uh, disease, and then oftentimes, unfortunately, they're left with side effects. And the uh, uh, side effects uh, can be very debilitating, from lack of focus and memory to reading uh, trouble. Uh, some persons have trouble with vision and can't drive. And so one of my goals has been to move my career toward a direction of uh, creating uh, an improved quality of life following treatment. So we treat those patients. I also start to, uh, started to test this technology 
in a number of other disorders, um, namely autism, since my own son was suffering from uh, autism and Asperger's. And really, that's what turned my attention uh, and focus uh, solely in this direction, was watching him become uh, really nearly neurotypical, which mm-hmm. means that he was having a large uh, change in his behavior uh, over a short period of time that was, the, to me, a, a bit shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so autism became a, a targeted area, and I can talk more uh, later in the broadcast about uh, other areas that we treat, but really across the board, I, I joke to my patients, if they have a brain, they're a candidate, because <laughs> we're treating the mm-hmm. brain <laughs> and not so much the disorder. Mm-hmm. So right. across the board from Alzheimer's to autism. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. Um, now, Let's talk about TMS. Um, what does it stand for, and, and why is it uh, such a powerful tool for treatment? Well, there's a, a technology that's really been around for maybe now going on 20-some years of transcranial magnetic uh, stimulation. And when we do this in a, a repetitive fashion, it's called repetitive, or RTMS, repetitive transcranial magnetic stimulation. We've taken that to another level and done a personalized form where we can select patients' frequencies in the brain, and then we can redistribute those frequencies using an external magnet. And the magnet's a very powerful tool which pulses a frequency back into the, into the brain and can, it can realign the frequencies. And we find that many of our patients that are suffering from their cognition disorders um, have a, a disruption in their brain frequency and the speed at which various parts of the brain be, behave and operate. And our our main goal is to synchronize those regions and reduce the uh, uh, lack of coherence, we call it. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Now, I know I've heard you... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say it has to be done on a a very uh, patient-personalized way where we're giving um, a repetitive course of treatment to patients. Generally, it's a -a five-day-a-week treatment that requires... 30 minutes a day of, uh, of, of, of stimulation, but during that 30 minutes, there's only a six-minute or six-second course of treatment that's given. We wait for a minute and, re- and repeat that six-second course for a total of 30 minutes per day, and that's done then uh, for a series of weeks in most patients. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that um, one of the common questions people ask me is, is it an invasive treatment? Um, and they get it confused with shock therapy or things that, yeah. you know, just misconceptions out there. So it would be great for you to just t- touch on that topic a little bit. Um, sure. To, yeah, to clarify. There was a, a, and it's still being used nowadays, not, not as common, was a therapy called electroconvulsive therapy where you would place electrodes essentially on the temporal part of the brain and you would put a current through the brain to reset the brain. If you use a computer analogy, and with a PC, it's like doing Control-Alt-Delete and resetting the, uh, the brain in that way. It's sort of a reboot. That's a very, mm-hmm. um, you could argue, traumatic way and sort of robust way to realign frequencies. And maybe it's a bit overkill um, for, for most patients' needs. It's really used only for severe forms of depression, and it does work. And it's been um, mm-hmm. around for quite some time. The um, neuron can be made to beat at a frequency which a, with a much smaller, gentler dose of pulse energy. And you could argue it's logarithmically lower to give the magnetic field and not the current to the patient. 
and it's a magnetic mm-hmm. field then pulsed into the brain at a prescribed frequency that's just enough to tickle the neuron to fire at my prescribed um, frequency uh, that makes this much different than ECT. ECT, um, again, would be something that I do think is necessary and reserved for, for very um, different cases. But we're looking more at a uh, neuromodulation approach and guiding neurons back toward a coherent frequency by a much lower pulse of energy. Mm-hmm. Now, that makes a lot of sense. And I remember hearing you speak and you had used the bike chain analogy of, you know, kind of what, co- what happens when, uh, you know, the brain isn't uh, synchronized. Um, and, and that made a lot of sense to me um, when you've shared those kinds of things. Um, and it would be great to hear you talk a little bit more about, um, you know, what, how you really are trying to synchronize the various parts of the brain um, with this treatment. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the brain has regions that do various behavior or that, are, that are responsible for various behaviors and functions. And it's very multi-purpose where um, some regions have more than one function. And it's not just one area in many cases that has a function. But we can, we can generalize across the brain that various regions generally uh, have, a, have a certain function or a, or a phenotype for the patient. Mm-hmm. And so if I see disruption in an area that's responsible for attention span, for example, mm-hmm. um, and the, the energy is too high, it leads to a hyperattentive person or a hypervigilant person, you're programmed to think or perseverate too much. If I see too low of energy in that same region, then, that same, then this patient may have a lack of focus or can't pay attention because the energy is too low. And so if we look just at energy frequency, we can almost predict behavior. In various parts of the brain, when they talk to each other, they're more hap- they're, I'd say they're happier or they're more um, likely to transmit communication effectively if they're at the same frequency. Just mm-hmm. like two walkie-talkies talking to each other work better when they're both set to the same channel. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. what we're doing is finding areas that are working at a correct frequency and then mm-hmm. reapplying that same frequency to other parts of the brain that aren't at that frequency and sort of redirecting traffic and saying, let's all get back on, on, on the, the, the same page here. And mm-hmm. I think the analogy of a bike is that these spinning areas of, of, of energy need to be synchronized or the chain between them skips like mm-hmm. a bike chain, not catching these wheels at the same speed. You want both areas at the same speed. Mm-hmm. No, that I think that sense. makes makes a lot of sense. And it'd be mm-hmm. great to have you share um, more about the types of symptoms you see as a result when the brain is not in sync you know, with various other parts of the brain. Well, it depends on, on the... Uh, the nature of the trauma in some cases and the, the, the length of the trauma and when it happened during development. If I see developmental um, uh, kids that went through a period of, of lack of synchrony or trauma or injury um, at a very early age before they developed normal uh, patterns of, of thinking and behavior, you see quite a bit of disruption. And the, the phenotype of that patient can be very uh, aberrant, let, let's say in autism, where a child never really had normal five, six, seven-year-old development because socially they were unable to participate like their, like their, like their neighbors or, or their friends of that same age. And an older person who may have already had normal development and then develops a stroke or a trauma to the brain, they may have had um, successful socialization um, mm-hmm. but now lack um, coherence in an area of the brain responsible for, for motor function or 
speech or things like that. So it depends on the age of injury or the age of the change of the, of the frequency, and then whether or not the patient had a, a very synchronized brain um, to begin with if they go on to suffer an injury. So you can, mm-hmm. you can almost predict and declare um, the, the type of injury looking at the location of mm-hmm. the brain. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, that um, leads us you know, right into the EEGs. Um, and I know you use them as a tool for treatment planning and to measure and document progress. Um, can you talk more about how this works? Sure. So electroencephalograms, or EEGs, have been around for quite, quite some time and essentially take a reading on the scalp of a region of interest below that, that, uh, that sensor. And it's really sensing millions of neurons and giving us, uh, ideally, a nice picture of the frequency of that region. And we have a cap we place on patients which can read 19 different areas on the brain and tell us what is the frequency, what's the speed of processing in that part of the brain. And then I can look at the 19 leads and say, are they coherent to each other and speaking the same language? And I can see areas that do or don't have correct uh, waveforms. And then we can selectively place magnetic pulse over the areas where I see a lack of frequency. And the Mm -hmm. pulse energy then being directed by the EEG becomes very personalized to a patient, unlike a, a medicine or a pill, which would take all the energies and essentially move them up or down with um, you know, either a stimulation or a suppressant. And it's not very location-specific. This would allow me to locate the area of most need and just stimulate that area back to frequency. So the EG is a very good tool for fine-tuning the therapy delivery. Mm-hmm. Now, and I love that you um, do the pre- and post-EEGs, right, so that you can monitor the progress as well. Isn't that right? Yeah, so once you've gotten a patient um, assigned to a certain frequency and we're treating that patient, we'll do successive EEGs and we'll monitor our progress and then redirect our energy toward various regions depending on those, those EEGs. So it becomes a very user uh, feedback uh, required process um, to dial someone back to their frequency like this. And it, it really does work. And you can show progress to the patient objectively and to some, and their parents sometimes and say, I can see that we're improving coherence, we're improving these waveforms, and you can show them on a, on a cartoon display how that's being improved. And so I think mm-hmm. uh, I try and get the parents and, and, and patients not too focused on EEG because really it's how they feel and how they're mm-hmm. mentating that's better. Right. But the EEG is certainly a guide, yes. Right, right, absolutely. It's just another tool, it sounds like, to uh, bring together with how the client is feeling and, and be able to um, note the changes and... Um, exactly. it, now, yeah. how, how often are you doing the EEGs? Depends on the patient and um, what level of, of modulation we're, we're performing. In some of my severe autism kids, they can't take EEGs. They, mm-hmm. they can't stay still enough, uh, long enough to actually get a, a usable form. And so we'll have to guess and pick, um, and pick frequencies. Mm-hmm. Um, and persons that are looking for just more of a fine-tunement, I might take an EEG every three days. And so it depends mm-hmm. on the case. But... Um, and how much change I'm seeing between each EEG. So we'll use it really frequently. Luckily, we have a nice new wireless uh, EEG process, which is very simple to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's wonderful. And that probably yeah, helps with those young children as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the, yeah, the older caps we used to use were difficult and required 20, 30 minutes of time in a quiet room. And 
We still like to have a nice setting, but we can quickly do an EEG now in about five minutes. Wow. It won't be something that's used for diagnostic purposes. It's meant just for my targeting purposes, so it wouldn't be meant to be read as a formal EEG, but it's used for a, a guiding tool. Right, right. Oh, that's wonderful. I mean, that makes it a lot more um, doable for a lot of the clients with autism. I know that have a hard time sitting still and... Um, and, you know, I was also wanting to have you share a little bit more about um, those clients and how they receive the treatment if they do have a hard time sitting still. Um, I know that it's a, it's a pretty quick um, application when, you, um, when they're actually receiving the TMS, um, but that would be great to touch on as well, of how you do that for those kinds of kids that are movers. Well, there's two things that we do. One, there's a chair that a child can sit in that um, is like a dental chair where the man is placed if they're able to cooperate um, over them, and we we can, of course, we're talking to the patient the entire time. Oftentimes, the parents are there to help us, or they have a caregiver who's helping us. And there's no pain with the treatment. There's no um, really sensation that you're receiving therapy. So as long as the child can close their eyes, we can place the magnet on the right location. So I have kids sometimes stand. I have kids that um, are really severe that need uh, assistance. But in the majority of the cases, and what's very interesting is that a lot of these kids that can't even speak will grab the magnet and put it on their head. Mm-hmm. And I always joke with my colleagues that want to see big numbers of patients and power in terms of mm-hmm. publishing data to mm-hmm. say, um, look, this is, it can't possibly be, be a, a placebo when this kid starts to speak. He doesn't know what we're doing. And matter of fact, he's grabbing the magnet because it must feel good to him or mm-hmm. her. So those are interesting things. So most kids, uh, we are able to get through this without too much of, of trouble. And the magnet has a long... Um, uh, coil to it so we can reach across the room and, and stand if we have to. But most kids get through this very easily. Right, right. No, I know. And I love that um, it's so non-invasive. Um, and and you are seeing that result that the, some of the kids are actually seeking it out, which is very telling. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's wonderful. Well, um, we're going to go take a quick break. And um, when we come back, we're going to talk some more about um, your experiences with this approach and some of the success stories you've had as well. So um, with that, we'll go into a quick break and we'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. At Therapeutic Approach to Growth, we offer comprehensive and holistic supports to individuals with developmental and acquired disabilities. Our programs include parent education and guidance, speech therapy, occupational therapy, educational and behavioral support, and counseling. We assume competence and believe in treating the entire family system. We offer both in-person and long-distance services. We support our clients in any environment, from home to school and beyond. Mention this show for a free consultation. To learn more, you can reach us at tagforgrowth.com. Therapeutic approach to growth. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. 
tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you feel that you aren't at your best when it comes to your personal health? Even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health and says everything is in working order, perhaps you aren't feeling at the top of your game. Dr. Rebecca Risk overcame pain and fatigue despite all tests to the contrary. Learn how she put her health back on track and how you can too on Falling Through the Cracks. Live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. We are bombarded daily with information about beauty products and anti-aging treatments. Do you know how they have been tested? Are they truly going to make a change or just take the change out of your pocket? Tune in to Shelly's Show and Tell with host Shelly Hancock. We'll bring you the top-rated skincare products and treatments tested by Real Transformation Skin Care Centers. We'll motivate you to make the best changes. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. We are surrounded by crises. Domestic violence, mental health issues, rape, suicide. Often, we feel alone if we are dealing with these issues ourselves, or we feel powerless to help others who are dealing with them. You don't have to feel alone. Listen for The Journey, Stories of Crisis and Hope with Jessica Pirro. The show is an open forum to share and get advice from others and guest experts and begin or continue the healing process. Listen live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health and Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Therapeutic Approach to Growth. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also reach Brooke Wagner via email to bwagner at tagforgrowth.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back. I'm host Brooke Wagner here, and today I have with me Dr. Kevin Murphy, Director of Pediatric Radiation Oncology Service at Radies Children's Hospital, Professor and Vice Chair of UCSD Radiation Medicine and Applied Scientists, and Founder of the Medical Synchrony Center. And we are discussing uh, the cutting-edge treatment TMS, and um, right before the show, uh, the, the break, um, we had talked about um, the EEGs and um, how the treatment is um, really non-invasive and um, I wanted to make sure that we had um, a good amount of time to talk about some of your um, stories, um, some of your success stories and experiences with this treatment and I know in the beginning of the show you had mentioned um, what kind of led you down this path was your own son and um, his success with this kind of treatment and I'd love for you to have the opportunity to share with your uh, with our listeners where this whole journey began um, what kinds of things you were struggling with with your son and, and how you ended up um, using this approach to um, lead to that great growth that he was able to experience? 
Well, I think um, nothing, nothing teaches you like your own personal experience. That's for sure. So as a um, director of the PEDS programs here and um, a brain tumor a doctor and having seen hundreds and arguably thousands of patients with brain disease, you, you know, you have a, uh, quite a knowledge of, of disease processes and some of the side effects of therapies. My own son um, was suffering with Asperger's, and one of the things I came to realize going through the process was that the diagnosis kept changing based upon his age, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. a five-year-old diagnosed with delay became a six-year-old with ADHD, and mm-hmm. then became a uh, seven- or eight-year-old with, with Asperger's. And frankly, if he were to, to become older, then he would have been called, you know, defined disorder and something else. So we were just watching and learning about the processes of how neuropsych um, uh, diagnoses were given based upon the patient's declared phenotype at that time. What was interesting to me right off the bat was uh, the EEGs and the, um, uh, and the, pa- and the way to, to objectively look at the brain in these patients, including my son, was, uh, was the same. The brain looks the same. It was being declared differently and called something different at a different age. Um, mm-hmm. Does that make sense, Brooke? Uh-huh. Absolutely. And so in his case, you know, here I was um, having all the resources I needed and, frankly, I've been exposed to plenty of knowledge to, um, to help him. And he was on three, on three medications uh, to keep him stable, but he wasn't very stable. Uh, he had a one-on-one school um, aid and was requiring all of our time and effort. My wife and I were taking off time just to manage him. And at nighttime, he was um, uh, having a, um, you know, very, very poor sleep up most of the night and was in a position to uh, um, really cause disruption for himself and for all of us. And so I, I had to, be, I had to, do, to become desperate <laughs> to mm-hmm. look for outside things that, that weren't typical. And I think, to be fair, that, that's what pushed me down this road is to find something else that was not conventional. The meds weren't working, frankly. The school was still a, tr- was still a problem for us, and uh, he wasn't sleeping. And so to me, I was trying neurofeedback and, and other therapies, um, and from acupuncture to you know, um, some attempts at meditation with him, these things. We were having quite a bit of trouble, so it led me down this path where I was looking for any way to sort of retool or realign the brain. And that's what led me toward mm-hmm. this, this idea of a physical a physical way, which is this uh, TMS. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's an amazing journey that you've been on. And I know so many of our clients here at TAG can relate to that and are on that journey and, you know, won't stop at anything to try to help their children and heal them in any way that they yeah. can. And and it's such mm-hmm. a complex process. Um, it's just not an easy one. And, and you really have to, to, you know, do your research and, and find alternatives uh, to, to well, you know, and, and sometimes as a scientist, you know, I think we're trained to not want to, to do that when, when you've mm-hmm. exhausted all the normal means of um, therapies and you're still stuck, mm-hmm. then it made sense to me to look. So we, we, my, my background's in neurophysiology, and so this idea of, of recreating a um, more, more harmonious brain made mm-hmm. sense, and we started treating him, and immediately in the first week, he slept. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking at my wife and saying, I can't tell you exactly how this is working right now, but he slept eight hours last night. Mm-hmm. He's never slept eight hours. And so to have that happen um, it was a, um, 
you know, impossibility. And also, I didn't need any, any data or papers or evidence. I, I have a kid sleeping who was never sleeping. Right. And so um, that was my first sign that we had something that was working for him. And then it went on to become more and more um, uh, incredible to me that he would make more eye contact and would start to eat different foods and would have less outbursts and start, start to dress himself. So a lot of these behaviors that were just a result of a very um, poorly synchronized brain started to almost mm-hmm. solve themselves as he became mm-hmm. more, um, more uh, coherent, you'd argue. Right. No, oh, it's amazing. I know. I mean, sleeping alone is such a big um, factor. Uh, you know, it's we need we all need our sleep. Our parents need their sleep too that we work with, and um, you know, it all is. It really does support the entire family system um, when you're able to at least address that one piece. But you know, it's amazing to hear about all of the other incredible things that you started to see in him and, um, and that they were, um, you know, starting to, to happen almost, you know, pretty quickly. It sounds like it was a pretty quick uh, turnaround. Yeah, it, took a, it took about two to four months or two to four months, to, I, see, I think, to really get him tuned up. But that first two or three weeks, we saw big changes and that, that convinced me to go forward. I do want to mm-hmm. make the caveat that he was one of the great responders and luckily, um, you know, he did. Other kids don't. And about 20% of my patients I've treated don't have a response. And I can't mm-hmm. um, at this moment tell you why, that they aren't mm-hmm. responding to the, the same exact type of therapy we give uh, to a kid in the next room is working and this kid is not working, um, in autism especially. In other mm-hmm. disorders, it's really uniformly effective across mm-hmm. the board from mm-hmm. Alzheimer's patients down to um, kids with brain injury. You generally see that you can tune up the brain and at least increase some of the function in these kids so and adults. So it's really exciting for, for that. But uh, there, I do want to make sure the audience knows that there's um, a subset of patients, for whatever reason, don't seem to respond. And it's about a 15-20% time that I'm stuck and I'll treat mm-hmm. for months and not, not see benefit. Right, right. No, I think that's really important to mention. And, um, yeah. and you mentioned um, your son was on medication. Now, do you take a look at medication with the clients you're seeing and, and do they eventually get off the medication or how does that piece work? Well, as generally, um, and I, I try, try this in every case, I have um, the doctor of record who prescribed the medication manage the withdrawal of that same medication. And that's really true of any, any patient with, with any physician, that the person who placed you on that should be the one who removes that. So I, I, I can tell the referring doctors that we're treating the patient and they can be on the lookout for ways to decrease medication. I personally um, uh, try and limit my own uh, involvement in, 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 unless I put the patient on the medication mm-hmm. in doing so. So okay. but I think there's a way to, re- to replace some of the medication with this therapy. And mm-hmm. that's kind of the, that's a benefit as well, that patients routinely tend to go off their antidepressants or, or their stimulants if I mm-hmm. can synchronize the brain and do it mechanically versus chemically. Right. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. And, and that's another indicator that the treatment is working um, and is effective. Yeah. Um, now, I know you mentioned you, your son um, had two to four months until you felt like he was, you know, right on the right, on the right track. Did he need to continue to, to receive the treatment? He did. And so, again, I think with autism, it's probably one of the hardest things we do is treat autism because the kids never maybe had a normal frequency in the first place. And you're creating a new form of uh, a brain stability out of, um, out of scratch, you could say. And mm-hmm. so those brains really need repetitive um, treatment and then usually a tune-up. And by that, I, I bring the patient back 
every two or three months, reassess them with an EEG, and then add in more treatment, usually a week, sometimes two weeks, to sort of tune them back up. And I see this in other patients as well, but it's more common in autism um, and some of my cerebral palsy patients where a tune-up really helps them. Okay. And so that's kind of what you're anticipating then for the, the, the responders that have autism, that they'll have the two to four months of treatment, and then um, at some point you'll decide that um, they are have reached you know the, the maximum amount of potential that they can, and then they'll come back for tune-ups on an as-needed basis. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, can you repeat that question again? I, I missed that. I'm sorry. Oh, sure. No problem. So um, this is one of the questions that I get a lot in our clinic as I'm you know, talking about this treatment with our clients. And um, it's, it's really a great opportunity to just kind of get more information as we're talking about this. Um, so to me, what it sounds like is you're, you will have two to four months of um, intensive treatment for the individuals with autism. And then at some point, um, you've decided that they have received their maximum potential um, of growth. And then they would have a tune-up um, as an as-needed basis ongoing. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. I think that's fair. I, I think, uh, again, I have some fast responders, some slow responders, some kids that need tune-up, some that don't. But as a rule, with autism especially, um, those kids need to come back in and have evaluation done another EEG, and then I can retune um, those patients. Um, I would say in the other things like chemo brain or PTSD, we treat lots of PTSD patients, the majority of those patients become synchronized, and then I'll see see them back in a year and look at their brain frequencies, and they've stabilized, and they don't need further therapy. So Mm -hmm. that's That's very encouraging. It it might be that down the road we we get to that same place with autism, but I would say we we do have to find... um, and evaluate patients and verify that they're that they're staying on sync. Right. And, and they'll tell us. They'll say, you know, I, I can feel myself decay. I was I was feeling great when I left here. I over two or three months, I feel a little bit of a change. They'll come back, and I'll see it on the EEG, and I'll treat right. them for a week or so, and try and put them back on back on square. No, oh, that's wonderful that you can treat them, and it's not requiring several months at, on you know certain occasions that that you're able to do a week or two and and kind of get them back in line again. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, that's promising. It so. is. And, I, and like I say, it's, uh, it's great when it's durable and life-changing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other thing with autism and CP is, again, they may have been awakened at an older age than they really are, and mm-hmm. they've missed developmental stages. So it doesn't take away the need for uh, PT and OT and other behavioral therapies. All those things are just, frankly, more um, effective now because the right. child can be more receptive to receive those things. And, and they, in fact, need it more than ever because now they're able to receive the benefits of behavioral therapy or handwriting skills or things that we do. Um, and, they, and they have to catch up. And mm-hmm. sometimes they need, they need more of that attention. But my view on that is now they're able to actually benefit from that further and um, um, have a better chance to, uh, to, to gain benefit from those treatments. Right. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I know that's what we're really excited about here at TAG. Um, we know we, we work quite a lot with parents and and guiding them on how to guide their child. And it's very hard to guide a child, you know, that doesn't have um, that uh, relationship with their parent in a way that they're looking to them for support and and guidance and out of curiosity and to learn. And so, you know, having that, um, that kind of light up in them um, would make our treatment so much more powerful. And um, I know that's something that we're really excited to, to see even more of. And, and we have seen uh, with a few clients that have uh, received this kind of treatment thus far. Um, 
Now, I remember seeing some pretty dramatic uh, samples of your son's handwriting before and after. It'd be great to hear a little bit about that and, and what you noticed in, in him and his ability to do um, the handwriting. Well, I was looking for objective you know, skill changes, and he wrote um, in a manner that maybe a three- or four-year-old would, would write. He was a nine-year-old when we started therapy, and so we didn't know. We couldn't really communicate with him to know how much he knew and understood and then certainly he couldn't, he couldn't express himself with written language is the best way to say it. And that shockingly in the, about two months turned into a seven-year-old handwriting skill and then quickly up to a nine-year-old. And I watched wow. him catch up. And really, essentially, you were waking up a child who had probably in the brain some semblance of what it meant to write, but physically couldn't put those things together and do it mechanically. And so mm -hmm. as we stimulated his brain and awaken the areas of the prefrontal cortex responsible for, you know, fine motor and for gross motor skills, um, and even on his, on his motor strip, um, you could watch the change occur. And it was just a beautiful thing to see that uh, all along, there was a, a bit of memory and, and of information being stored, but his ability to manifest that and show us was just being limited by his, uh, mm -hmm. his lack of synchrony. So really, mm -hmm. it, it, was, it was a little hard for me to, to believe when I first saw that, that he could quickly catch up and had the skills um, and uh, just, you know, was unable to express them. So these kids are a bit locked in, and we use that mm -hmm. term, um, you know, in, in these cases where they're sort of trapped in a mm -hmm. brain that can't, um, that can't work, almost like a car mm -hmm. that won't run, and they're stuck mm -hmm. inside. And you can imagine the frustration and anger and other ways to express that for a child. So... Um, right. A lot of those things, too, started to resolve. His anger and frustration levels went down once, right. he, could, once he could communicate with his, with his peers and his family. So it was oh, really, it makes a lot I, of I was sense. very lucky to have it work like this in him. Yes, absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. We, we have a client here that uh, is nonverbal that um, types to communicate here, and he recently shared that uh, he feels like autism is like being in a prison. And, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's just incredible that he can articulate this because he's nonverbal, um, that his, you know, it's a, in, in this case, we see it as a movement disorder, that his body is not able to, you know, do what it needs to do, but he has the thoughts inside and, and the, the ability uh, to, you know, have complex and abstract thoughts. And, and so, you know, this kind of approach is so incredible for those responders that are going to be able to access their bodies in the way that they would like to and, and be able to really see who they are as an individual. Yeah, I think to your point, the back of the brain that visualizes the world in most of these kids is intact. So they're mm -hmm. visualizing their world like other kids their age, but they can't do anything with that information. So it's a mm -hmm. very frustrating place to be. The front part of the brain that manages mm -hmm. and emotionalizes what they're seeing isn't turned on. And so mm -hmm. we're essentially turning that part of, the, part of the brain back on. Right, I and mean, that makes a lot of sense. And I think your point about uh, you know, how your son's behavior started to go down uh, because he you know, was able to access his abilities so much more makes a lot of sense. And that, you know, that's something that we really look at here closely at TAG that, you know, we try to look beyond the behavior and um, really get to the bottom of what's causing, you know, what is the, the root of the problem. And I think what you're doing is really getting to the root of the problem um, and, and why it's so powerful for these clients. Yeah, it's almost like, uh, you know, from a physician's perspective, it's almost like cheating. I, I can mm -hmm. look and see what, is, what would the brain be and what state would it be and what frequency if it were balanced and then give that balancing act back to the brain mechanically 
and sort of jump, jump to the answer of the question. Here's where your mm-hmm. brain is supposed to be looking like when it's balanced. I'm going to make it that way physically. And it does mm-hmm. kind of um, skip some steps. But then again, once that happens, I mean, you awaken that part of the brain, it just means that other, other therapies now can take effect and, and become uh, paramount. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And now how is your son doing today? He's doing great. He's, he's no longer um, requiring an aid in school and doesn't take his medications. He's on a, a small dose of clonidine for sleep which we use occasionally um, if we travel or if, we, uh, if he has a late night for some reason. And, um, you know, he's, I've, I've, I've decided to homeschool him, which um, we had to, had to do, and I just kept him there because it was working so well. So it's been great. Now we have a very good um, relationship with him. I would say before there was very little um, relationship because there was no communication back and forth. So it's been a big growth period for us and him, and it's really been uh, just a godsend that I was able to find the, the right key to unlock, um, you know, his, his problem. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so beautiful. And now my goal is to see, you know, how can I apply this toward other, other, other kids and adults and use the same principles toward other disorders. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, that's a beautiful story and it's wonderful to, you know, just kind of have that relationship blossoming, um, with your son and, and your family. And, um, it's just really, really exciting to know that that's a, a possibility, you know, and I know we don't, we know that it's, it may not be for everybody, but, um, that there's, a, you know, this amazing treatment that's available to the community is, is pretty incredible. And, yeah. you know, I just, it's exciting, exciting for us here at TAG to, um, you know, have you just down the street from us uh, to be able to refer to. Right, um, right. Yeah. And, you know, that's I know. Is, is, is believing, too. It's hard to believe, I think. I think, and there are, like mm-hmm. I say, non-responders, but it's really amazing to see it firsthand. Absolutely, absolutely. And I can, I mean, with your own experience, I can, I can see why you'd be so passionate about it um, because, sure. we, you know, we want, we want this to be available to others that could benefit as well. And um, it's great that, that it's going to be, and it is now. Um, and um, we're going to take a quick break in a minute here, but um, when we come back, I want to talk about um, the adult that you have seen with cerebral palsy. You've shown me some videos of him, and he's another powerful testimony to this treatment, and I'd love to um, have you touch on that as well um, and, and where he started and where he is today. So um, with that, we'll go to a quick break, and um, then we'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Hi, I'm John Rainey, Chief Financial Officer of United Airlines, and I'm honored to be the National Chair for the 2015 March for Babies campaign for the March of Dimes. United is a proud supporter of the March of Dimes mission to improve the health of babies and fight premature birth. We're helping the March of Dimes fund breakthroughs in research and community programs that help more mothers have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Please join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit marchofdimes.org. At Therapeutic Approach to Growth, we offer comprehensive and holistic supports to individuals with developmental and acquired disabilities. Our programs include parent education and guidance, speech therapy, occupational therapy, educational and behavioral support, and counseling. We assume competence and believe in treating the entire family system. We offer both in-person and long-distance services. We support our clients in any environment, from home to school and beyond. 
Mention this show for a free consultation. To learn more, you can reach us at tagforgrowth.com. Therapeutic approach to growth. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Therapeutic Approach to Growth. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also reach Brooke Wagner via email to bwagner at tagforgrowth.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back. I'm host Brooke Wagner here. And today I have with me Dr. Kevin Murphy. Uh, and we are talking about uh, TMS and um, this amazing treatment um, for various diagnoses. And um, right before the break, we had touched on um, the client that you have with cerebral palsy. And I just remember so vividly uh, how hard it was for him to even open his hand. He was kind of in a tight fist um, throughout the day. And I remember seeing the, the after video where he was able to open and close his hand. And it was a pretty dramatic change in him. And, and you could see, you know, just the pride and joy in his face of, you know, being able to accomplish even that goal was just so powerful. And so I'd love to hear you share a little bit about that case and, and where he is today. Uh, yeah, he was one of our um, great success stories, about a 30-year-old who had um, drowned when he was two, was resuscitated, but had cerebral palsy following his injury, and had been uh, fairly crippled with uh, a lot of choreoform uh, motion and difficulty with some spastic um, hemiplegia with his hand being clawed and, and sort of and, uh, clenched, and had a hard time verbalizing. Um, he was very, very smart. He actually went to, went to college and intellectually was intact, but he just had motor difficulty and couldn't speak really or use his right upper extremity. And so I was treating his uh, mother with chemo brain, and he came in and I asked her, would you mind if I just did his EEG? And did, and of course saw an area of injury um, in that uh, left um, uh, motor cortex and sensory cortex, and uh, asked if he would mind if I would try and treat him. And I hadn't had a, a case yet of cerebral palsy when I started doing this. And I had a lot of uh, docs say, you know, well, there's no indication to do this in cerebral palsy. And I said, well, you know, he's got um, lots of function here and um, uh, there aren't many remedies for this. And if he could use his right hand, you know, why don't we try and stimulate that area and see how, how he does. So, and being an oncologist and treating brain tumors with big heavy doses of radiation, this didn't seem like a big stretch for me mm-hmm. uh, to treat this area. So we placed the magnet right over the injury on his motor strip to see if any neurons were still there and could be awakened. And certainly mm-hmm. some can't because they were injured to the point of death, but others are not and can be restored, it turns out. And we treated him for about six weeks, and he called me one day ecstatic saying he could open his hand. And so mm-hmm. <laughs> brought him in and kept treating him, and we took video of this before and after, and it was a great story. And um, went on to treat him for about uh, two or three months. His walking mm-hmm. improved, his speech improved, Mm-hmm. And uh, we moved the magnet all over the brain, treating all various areas. And um, he went on to get a job and uh-huh. was a, a computer programmer and can type and can <laughs> hold uh, you know, a cup of coffee in his hand that was before not usable. So stories like that are, are, are I think, probably not the norm, but it was, mm-hmm. a, you know, it was a great thing to see. And since that time, he's led me to go on to treat other 
kids with cerebral palsy, and now I have probably five or six patients, and uh, some not maybe as so profound as his, but all of them have had benefit. I would right. say. Right, that's amazing. So, yeah, it's really, really improving his quality of life and and for his family as well, and it's just incredible. It really is. Mm -hmm. It's exciting. Yes. So you know, I, I um, I'd, I'd like to get a trial, and I'm working on a trial for uh, CP kids uh, for this mm -hmm. very reason because I had such success so far. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, we'll see mm -hmm. how that goes. It requires funding, of course. But. Right, right. But, yeah, it sounds like it's needed and would be really incredible. And, you know, that leads us into, you know, research. So can you share just a little bit about the current research on TMS and, and then what your plans are for the future? Well, um, I, I do think that these indications we've, we've spoken of do not have appropriate literature review and trials to establish them as standard of care. And that, mm -hmm. that's what's needed to happen. Before doctors like myself go in and start doing those trials, you want to have some anecdotal evidence that it works or has some benefit. And so my goal at first, this first last couple of years was to have um, some of my own experience with chemo brain, with CP, with autism, um, uh, with mm -hmm. stroke patients and brain tumor kids and see if I could get benefit. And then if so, decide on which one of those groups to go forward with uh, on a trial. And so mm -hmm. I think we clearly have three or four areas that we mentioned that could be uh, ripe for a trial. And I've written three trials, one for CP, autism, and chemo brain in kids. And those are all now going to the, um, review, the IRB process at, at UCSD um, and radius for evaluation. And then once mm -hmm. they are approved, which they will be, they need to be funded. And that's where our next steps lie. Can we get funding to do this and to mm -hmm. write the data and get the analytics done? Mm -hmm. We can prove that these are, are real changes that we're seeing and that right. they're durable. So. Right. And then at that point, uh, then they'll be able to access things more like insurance funding. Because um, at this point, insurance is not covering the treatment. Is that right? That's true. Yeah. So we're, we're a bit stuck there with a lot, a lot of families, and it's heartbreaking sometimes. I went years mm -hmm. using my own research fund uh, to treat hundreds, hundreds of patients and eventually ran out of money <laughs> and had mm -hmm. to open a clinic where we, we charge what we think is a nominal fee just to keep mm -hmm. the, uh, the process is going. But we do need to get this to a point where insurance will cover it. But mm -hmm. that, that takes data. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Now, if somebody wanted to sign themselves up or their son or daughter for your treatment um, at the Medical Synchrony Center, uh, what would that process entail? And um, I know you mentioned they would, they would be coming uh, five days a week for 30 minutes. Is that right? True. And we do an evaluation first with me for an hour or so. We speak with the family, look at their records and their previous diagnoses and IEPs or any reports they have. And then um, we also have to rule out some, uh, sometimes if there's a seizure disorder or a history of uh, certain medications or, or metal in the head, things like this, then we can't treat. So we have to rule out some things. And then we um, decide uh, based on their EEG what sort of course of action I want to give, how long I think it'll take, and I lead the parents uh, and the, or the patient down a path of my expectations for, for treatment, and then we bring them in and begin therapy, and we treat for 30 minutes, as you mentioned, five days a week. And for most of the things we treat, it's, it's a weekly to monthly thing, meaning it's not a two-week wonder. It takes, it takes months for most of mm -hmm. our modulation to occur, especially in autism. Mm -hmm. It might take four to six months, unfortunately. But I know mm -hmm. within two, three weeks that they're, if they're going to respond. And if mm -hmm. I see movement on the waveforms, I know they're responding. Then it's a very encouraging to decide to go forward and spend the time with more treatment. So right. that's our, our and process. And we're, 
we're located in San Diego and are opening up a, a few more centers. Right now we have one center in uh, north, uh, northeast San Diego. Okay, wonderful. Now, if you mentioned you can tell after a few weeks if they're a non-responder, so at that point um, you recommend either to move forward or not based on the results? Yeah, so luckily if I look back at the hundreds of patients I've treated now, maybe four, four or 500 patients, I can see at what point early in their course of treatment if they, were, if they had a response to our treatments. Mm-hmm. And if I do see that there are changes occurring with our, our, our magnetic therapy, then we call those kids responders or those adults responders. And then it's, it's a, um, a plan is, is then made from that point forward saying, let's go forward. If I do see they're in that category of kids or, or adults that don't respond in that first two weeks, they're very unlikely to respond if I spend two months. And so I don't want the parents mm-hmm. or, the, or the patient to be coming in for a useless therapy if I don't right. see that I've got a benefit to them. Right. Well, that's wonderful. I mean, that's a, that's a great one, way one to... One last thing I would say is I really like the parents and the uh, patient to direct the mm-hmm. um, uh, desire for treatment. In other words, mm-hmm. they're going to tell me if it's working, not me tell them. I can mm-hmm. do evaluations and I can have my own assessment, but um, it's self-evident. And there are small mm-hmm. things that they'll notice that I will never know. And mm-hmm. they may, um, you know, uh, tell me later, the, the small little fact is that this, this, my boy never said these words or never put a sentence together like this or never noticed this part of our house before or, you know, all of a sudden talks to his dog or there's all these nuances that I, I would never know. And right. To, and these might sound simple, but to an autistic family or to a patient with um, cerebral palsy who suddenly can use a limb, it's not, it's not, it's not subtle. And right. we, I really need the patients to tell me this is working, I want to keep doing this. And uh, we work together on making a plan. Oh, that's wonderful. And I love that. And then the parents can be involved in the process and, um, you know, really evaluating what they're seeing. And then obviously, if the child is able to communicate, then they can as well. And um, it's a wonderful approach to treatment and very yeah. tangible. Um, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, I want to make sure people know um, how to learn more about your work um, at the Medical Synchrony Center. So what is the best way for people to reach you? Well, there's two ways. I think first they could reach me through, through you and connect mm-hmm. to your program, through the existing outlets you've created um, with this uh, network. And mm-hmm. then, of course, that evaluation can lead to them seeing me. Um, or they can mm-hmm. call me directly and call my office directly. I can leave a number, if you'd like, on, on, the, on this recording. Sure, sure. That they could um, call... That'd be our front desk of our office. It would be um, 858-924-1116. Okay. 858-924-1116. And if patients uh, wanted to call and to speak to me or to come in for an evaluation, we could go from there. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here today. This was so informative. I feel like I learn from you every time I hear you talk about this and so exciting for us to have you um, in this practice here in San Diego. And I think it's going to be amazing to to see the changes in our clients here at TAG that, that see you and um, just really excited to have you here on the show. So thank you so much um, for all the information, Dr. Murphy. Great. Well, thank you for having me on, on your show. Wonderful. And, um, and then we'll be back live next Tuesday at 11 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. Have a wonderful day. Thank you again for listening. Be sure to tune in to Therapeutic Approach to Growth and join Brooke Wagner again every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a great week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 